Power up. Look at your neighbor and say, we're going to power up this morning. We're going to power up today for sure. Turn in your Bible to 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3. Uh, I'm going to read, um, I'll just read that, that verse out of the New King James, and then I'm going to read it out of the New Living Translation. Uh, but it says this, uh, I'll read verse 2 to give it a little context. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As His divine power, somebody say divine power. His divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of Him, speaking of Jesus, who called us by glory and virtue. Let's pray together. Father, thank You for the Word of God. May it bring forth much fruit in our lives and may we experience new levels of Your power surging through our being, body, soul, and spirit. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen. The New Living Translation says this, as you see on the screen. By His divine power, God has given us everything we need for living a godly life. How many of you know that's some good news right there? Tell somebody around you, that's pretty good news. That's that's really good news. He's given, given us everything we need for living a godly life. However, how many of you know that the process of living godly is not, even though God has given us everything we need, evidently we're not appropriating all the things He's provided us because how many of you have ever struggled living a godly life? Okay, it's it's a challenge. It's a responsibility. We're going to talk about that today, about the power of God and how we can appropriate God's divine supernatural power. That's the word there. It's dunamis. It means supernatural power uh, to live a godly life. And so uh, if you're here today and you want some of that power to live a godly life, say hallelujah. So you're in the right place at the right time. God has all the power we need, amen? In fact, just a little kind of foundational insight. The first and the last place this supernatural power is mentioned in the New Testament. The first place is in Matthew chapter 6 in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus' first recorded sermon. And you remember the model prayer that he, he taught us to pray. The disciples said, teach us to pray. And he said, okay, pray this way. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory for how long? Forever. And so the first place this God, supernatural God-given power is mentioned is in Jesus' first message, the Sermon on the Mount, where he teaches us to pray and we acknowledge at the close of our prayer that his power is available uh, forever and ever. Amen. Now, throughout Scripture, we see this power being poured out. The ho- Jesus told the disciples, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise of the Father. He said, after the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you'll receive what? Power. Same kind of power. Supernatural power. Uh, but then at the close of the book, or the, of the, of the Bible, at the end of days, if you will, Revelation 19.1, when the devil gets his due, and the millennial reign is, is set up. It says this, after these things, 
I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and what? Power belong to the Lord our God. So uh, suffice it to say, or in other words, the supernatural power that we need to live a godly life is still available today. Everybody say today. As well as and will last as long as and until that day. So there's good news here today. God's power is available for us to power up. It's not something that just happened, uh, you know, back in the early days. Or in the New Testament, God's supernatural power is available today, tomorrow, and until the end of days. And everybody said amen. Now, as I mentioned or inferred a few moments ago, appropriating that power to live a godly life is sometimes maybe a little vague for us. How do we, how do we do that? Do we need the preacher to come and lay hands on us? Do we need to, you know, what do we need to do? Well, I'm going to help you today a little bit. Look at your neighbor and say, he's going to help us today. He's going to help. I'm going to do my best to help you. I'm going to start with giving you a power up principle for today. A power up principle for today. And let's see if we can see it up there. I mean, we may be having some, there it is. Uh, let's move past that one. The power up principle for the day. Here it is. Accessing God's ongoing supernatural power requires our ongoing supplemental participation. Let's read that together. I want you to read it out loud. I want you to get this. If you, if you get two things, or if you get one thing today, you gotta get this, that, that appropriating the power of God requires our supplemental participation in all that God has done. So read it out loud with me, the power up principle for today. Everyone, accessing God's ongoing supernatural power to live a godly life requires our ongoing supplemental participation. It doesn't matter what all God has done or what He's given to us. If we don't step up to the plate under His mercy and grace of of God and appropriate the principles of God's Word in our life, we will not experience His supernatural power to live a godly life. Are you with me? Say amen. And so that's what you and I need to embrace today. What's my part? God's done His part. In fact, uh, if you... If you read this verse again, in verse 3, His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We have those available, but we've got to participate in the process and in the, and in preparing our lives to live like He would have us to live. That's what you see in Second Peter chapter 1, as he says he's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And look in verse 4, the gift, he just keeps on giving, by which has also been given to us exceeding and great and precious promises, that through these you may be partake, you may be partakers of his divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. So the giving just keeps giving, but look what verse 5 says. Because of what God has given, let me just paraphrase it for you. Verse 5, but also for this very reason. Everyone say, this very reason. We'll talk about that in a moment. Here comes directives to us. Here comes some of our supplemental participation for this very reason, giving all diligence 
Add to your faith virtue, and to virtue knowledge, and to knowledge self-control, to self-control perseverance, and to perseverance godliness, to to godliness brotherly kindness, and to brotherly kindness love. For if these things are yours and abound, and you will neither be barren nor unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For he who lacks these things is short-sighted even to blindness and has forgotten that he was cleansed from his old sins. Therefore, brethren, be even more diligent to make your call and election sure. In other words, stability in your Christian life. For if you do these things, you will never stumble. Somebody say amen. Now, what I want you to see, now we, and I've done this before, we're not going to break down all these things that we add into our life, but we're going to get this principle down that even though God has given us everything that pertains to life and godliness uh, in order to access and benefit from the gifting of God in our life, we must supply, there's got to be some supplemental participation on our part. We don't sit and twiddle our thumbs and learn and Live a godly life. If you're getting that with me, smile and nod. Say, I'm with you, Pastor. I'm with you, Pastor. Okay. Look at somebody else. Say, are you with him? I'm with him. Are you with him? I'm with him. Power up. Okay. And so that's the, that's the whole point. You see this principle throughout Scripture. Now, let me just stop and say, without his mercy and grace, we're all a mess. In fact, how many of you were a serious mess before you experienced the mercy and the grace of God. And now we're just a mess under the mercy and the grace of God in our life. Are you with me? Say amen. And so, and so we, we embrace all that he's done for us, but it demands and requires a supplemental participation on our part where we step up to the plate and we do our part. And so we see that. He says, for this very reason. We'll talk about that in a moment. If you go to Romans 6, you don't need to turn there. Romans 6, the first 15 or so verses, Talk about what Christ did on the Calvary's cross, that he were, were crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, we live, yet not I, but Christ live in me. And, 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 and he talks about the fact that we are, we're buried with him through baptism unto death and raised to walk in newness of life and the power of the death, burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ and what it benefits us. And then he comes along and he says, but let me tell you your supplemental part. Your supplemental part is to yield your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. In other words, you've got to step up to the plate and participate in this process of living a godly life under the influence and the power of God in your life. Woo! Somebody say amen. Paul tells Timothy some of the same things when he's teaching him and raising him up into a place of leadership. Second Timothy 2.22, he tells him, let me tell you what you've got to do. You've got to flee youthful lust. And pursue after righteousness, faith, love, and peace with them who call on God from a pure heart. In other words, you got to step up to the plate. I'll give you grace and mercy. I've supplied you everything that pertains to life and godliness. Uh, I've given you supernatural power, but uh, ongoing, by the way, from then on into uh, the end of days. Uh, but you've got to supply, we've got to supply ongoing supplemental participation in order to live the kind of life God would have us. Now, that's what, go back to Second Peter chapter 1, verse 5. He said, for this very reason, let me just kind of uh, 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 paraphrase. what is. If you go back and look at the first five verses, because of all that Christ has done for us, 
because of what He has given unto us, then we add to this what He's given to us, and we step up and do our part. So that's what this, for this very reason. And so let me just kind of say it to you this way. The reason we're able to partner with God and provide our supplemental participation in living a godly life is because of the multifaceted giftings of God to us as His kids. Without His gifts, we're no, but we're nothing. We can do nothing without what He, without His mercy and grace and the gift of God upon our life. And so if you looked, if we took time in this second Peter, the, even the first five verses, even really four verses, we see four gifts at operation, things that Jesus gave us that we didn't earn, we didn't work for, we didn't uh, uh, deserve, but he gave us. The first one is this, the gift of faith. Look in verse 1. Simon Peter, a bondservant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained or received like precious faith with us by the righteousness of God and Jesus, uh, God and Savior Jesus Christ. Now we know from the totality of scripture that, that we, we are not people of faith. We're people of sin. But what happened? The Bible says he's given us a measure of faith. God has given to every person a measure of faith. Even Did you know even lost people have a measure of faith? It's built within them. That they have the capacity to operate from. They didn't earn it. It's just the way they're made. How many of you got two eyeballs? How many of you have a responsibility to use that gift wisely? Be careful, little. What you see. In other words, the gifts of God can be misappropriated or misunderstood or used even wrongly. And God's given us a gift of faith. Paul said it in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you are saved through what? Faith. And that's not of yourselves. It's a gift of God. And so we've been given this gift of faith. But then how many of you know from Scripture, we've got to use our faith. We've got to appropriate our faith. We've got to step out. Uh, uh, think about Peter walking on the water. You remember him? They're in the boat, the storms. Woo! Hey, it was bad. Everybody go, woo, it was bad. It was bad. It was bad. It was really, it was really, really bad. And, and, uh, and they were scared. Jesus, uh, uh, had let, they're in the boat all by themselves. Everybody, woo, come on, say with me. The storms, really, really bad. And Jesus came walking on the water. And Peter said, everybody else, oh, what is they were scared. And they realized it's the Lord. And Peter said, if it's you, bid me to come to you on the water. And he said, come. Peter knew something about his faith, that in order for him to, to, to be uh, uh, totally in tune with what was really going on, he had to appropriate his faith. And he stepped out of the boat. You know what he did? He began to walk on the water. And the only time he began to sink when he looked down at his circumstances. In other words, he partnered with God. Everybody said, well, old Peter, his faith was weak. And I always say, what about the other 11 sissies in the boat who were still going? <laughs> it's a gift of faith. And so when we see uh, Peter saying, for this very reason, giving all diligence, add to your faith virtue. Where'd you get that faith? It was a gift of God. I didn't earn it. 
He gave it to me. Number two, the gift of power. He said this in verse three, as his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given us his power as a gift. In fact, when you study Acts, Acts chapter one and the outpour and two, the outpouring of the Holy Spirit, it was a supernatural gift. But even in looking at that, in order to receive that gift, there, there were conditions. There was supplemental participation involved. And so God gifted them and gifts us with supernatural power. The Greek word is dunamis. It's where we get the word dynamite. It's supernatural power. Somebody say amen. So we don't earn it. We didn't get it. We didn't build it up on our... It's a gift. And so go back to Second Peter chapter 1. Because of these gifts... Add to your faith. In other words, you've got to step up with some supplemental participation. He's gifted us with a righteousness. You know, the Bible says in Isaiah 64, all our righteousness is as what? Filthy rags. And if you want me to do some Hebrew uh, breakdown of that, it's not good. It's not pretty. You do it on your own. All our righteousness is filthy rags. But what happened when Jesus came? He came and he provided us the capacity to appropriate his righteousness. And that's what it says in these verses. It says this, his divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. In other words, living a righteous life. It's his gift to us. He, he graces us and gives us. In fact, go over to Rome. Let me just show you this. Romans chapter 5. There's a lot I could show you here, but let me just show you Romans 5 real quick. In fact, there's a lot in Romans about the righteousness of God, but Romans 5 verse 17. For if by one man's offense death reigned through the one, that's Adam. He's talking about Adam and Eve who sinned. For by one man's offense or sin, Death reigned through the one, much more those who receive abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one, Jesus Christ. Did you see that? You look at Jeremy and say, did you see that right there? The gift of righteousness. Let me tell you something. It's hard not to smoke and chew and go with the girls that do. Because it is our what? It's our nature. Our sin nature is one of sin. And so God comes through Jesus and gifts us with his grace, the gift of righteousness. And we attain attain and obtain that gift. There's a lot more I could say about that. But this is what Paul was talking about, or pardon me, Peter, when he says, for this very reason, because of the gift of faith and the gift of power and the gift of righteousness, um, you now add to that with this. You step up to the plate with some supplemental participation in the living of a uh, out of a godly life. Another gift is the gift of knowledge. Now, it's not head knowledge, it's heart knowledge. If you go to back to Second Peter, it says this, uh, uh, as his divine, oh, pardon me, grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God. That's not head knowledge. In fact, the word is epignosis. It's, it's really, uh, this is not a totality of its definition, but it, it's more of a relational knowledge. How many of you know I could have seen my wife from afar and, and ask everybody everything about her and gain some head knowledge? But until I began to have a relationship with her, I really didn't know her. 
That's the kind of the thought here. It's not head knowledge. It's heart knowledge. It's relational knowledge. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in that kind of knowledge of God and of Jesus Christ as His divine power has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the heart knowledge, relational knowledge of Him. No, in other words, here, here's what He gave us as a gift, relationship with Him. That's what the cross did. It brought man and God back into re- relationship. Jesus, uh, in fact, what does He call us? He no, call, no longer calls us servants. He calls us His friends. And that's a gift of relationship. We can have a relationship with Jesus. It's a gift. And then a gift, here's another one, uh, a gift of uh, uh, the Word of God. He says in verse 4, by which has been given to us exceeding great and precious promises that through these you may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. He's talking about the Word of God. In fact, when you have time, read on through there. He's talking about the prophetic Word and then the Word that made sure that all Scripture is given by inspiration from God. No prophecy never came by the will of man, but by holy men of God spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. And he talks about the fact that those prophetic gifts are all submitted to the written Word of God. And he said, we have those, that Word in our heart. It's a gift to us. I don't know if you have your Bible with you or if you've got it on your phone. I, I'm, a, I'm a believer in the, in the paperback version just for the sake of keeping it seemingly separate and autonomous from my email and, and all the other things that I have on my phone. And I will tell you, my name is Sam Walker, Pastor Sam Walker. And I have to tell you this, I am addicted to the Internet. I just have to tell you that. In fact, my phone has the joy of telling me how many hours I've wasted on the phone. It just reminds me of that every day. I said, well, just thank you very much. But I, the Word of God, it's, it's, it's a gift to us. In fact, the Scripture says, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man or woman of God might be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. It's a gift. Some people say, do I have to read the Bible? No, you get to. It's alive and active and sharper than any two-edged sword and will help you in your daily living and being victorious over the devil. What did Jesus say in... in, in uh, and being tempted by the devil in the wilderness. It is written. Everybody say, it is written. It's what a great gift we have in the Word of God. And so, there's so many free giftings. And this is just a partial. The gift of faith. This is what He's done for us by, by His mercy and grace. Given us the gift of faith. The gift of supernatural power. The gift of a righteous life that we can tap into. The gift of knowledge. A relational relationship and knowledge of God. And the gift of His Word and His promises that, that will empower us according to verse 4. I love this. To become partakers of His divine nature. Listen, if you're not reading the Bible, how are you ever going to know what it's like to live like Jesus and tap into his power? I got one person. Come on, preacher. Preach it now. For our guest today, I'll beg for an amen if I have to. Could I get a better amen? Now, so Peter is saying, 
because of all that Christ has done for you and all that He's given to you, and, and th that are all provided for us so we can live that godly life. Now, your supplemental part and participation requires you to add to this and add to that, that, and add this. You read the list. In other words, we have to engage with the Word of God, engage with the gifting of God. You see, the, the, the gifts uh, that He gives us, He gives them to us for a purpose, not to hang on our spiritual wall and say, look what Jesus gave me. They're all designed to help us live a godly life. If you're with me now, say, I'm with you, Pastor. Give somebody a fist bump and say, power up. Come on, tell somebody, power up, power up. Now, if you read through this short little book, this epistle, he lays this foundation of what I just said out in chapter 1. In chapter 2 and 3, he begins to give apostolic warning. Man, maybe we miss that part. He, he begins to warn this church and warn us about the influences that are designed to undermine godly living. He said, this is what it's going to take to live a godly life, and this is what you're going to have to do. But let me warn you about some things. In chapter 2, he warns about destructive doctrines. You read it. He warns about uh, 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 false teachers and their doom and their depravity and their deception. He, he's, he's, man, he's, he spends a whole chapter warning uh, us about the, the, the influences of this life that have come to undermine the foundations of our faith and keep us from living the kind of life that Jesus wants us to live, that has been appropriated for us and His power has been given so we can do. And so, so Peter warns about these things. And then chapter three, he, he, he heightens the warning, if you will, and says, because you need to understand there's coming a day and it's called the day of judgment. If you look over in chapter three of second Peter, he says, but the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Go back to verse seven, but the heavens and the earth, which are now preserved by the same word are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and the perdition of, uh, of ungodly men. But beloved, don't forget this one thing that the Lord, with the Lord is one day and a thousand day, uh, a, a thousand years is his one day with the Lord. And he's warning us. And then he talks about the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. And then he, and then he gives us directive because of the day that we live in. And he said, you better be steadfast. In other words, don't miss what I told you earlier about living the godly life. Don't miss the gifting of God that he's provided you, that he's come along to equip you with and empower. Don't miss this responsibility of our ongoing supplemental participation in the living out of a godly life. Because there's false teachers, there's false doctrines. The day of judgment will come. And so the whole thought to me is, we got to do our part. Look at your neighbor and say, we got to do our part. Now, you can't work your way into right relationship with God, can you? By grace you're saved through faith, and that's not of yourself, it's a gift of God. But under the power of the giftings of God, we begin to appropriate 
the principles of God's Word in our life. Now, let me give you some uh, descriptive words that he uses throughout this small epistle. Some descriptive words about our need uh, that kind of define for us the responsibility for our ongoing supplemental participation in the prop process and the practice of living a godly life. Let me give you give give you some. The first one I I, I kind of uh, emphasized it a few moments ago. Uh, diligence. Everyone say diligence. That that he he uses this word three times. Let's go to that next slide, if you will. And let me show you these words. Word diligence. In verse 5, he says, But also for this very reason, giving all... Somebody say diligence. In other words, you got to get up to the point, to the place where you are diligent. You are uh, engaged with the process. He uses the word again in verse 10. Therefore, brethren, be, be even more diligent to make your call an election. Sure, you can't be uh, 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 lazy, the Bible talks about, in your spiritual journey. You can't be disengaged. You can't be half-hearted. You can't be uh, so-so. You, If you're going to appropriate the promises and the, the giftings of God and live that godly life, you're going to do so by being diligent about it. Somebody tell somebody we got to be diligent in our walk with God. You can't be, you can't be half baked. You can't be mediocre. You can't be jelly spot. You got to be serious about your walk with God and go back, go all the way to chapter three, verse 14. He uses it again. Therefore, breath, uh, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. Listen, he's coming back again. That's what he's saying. Jesus is coming again. And you can get over to Revelation. We hinted around at it early on about his power is still there even when he comes again. Uh, he's coming to planet Earth again. And, and may he find us spotless and blameless. Oh, man, Pastor, that's a high calling. Well, that's by the grace of God. Amen. It certainly won't happen if we're not diligent about it. Serious about it. Most of us understand the word diligence. We're diligent in certain things. How many are very diligent with coffee in the morning? I'm pretty diligent. I don't, I don't miss a beat. In fact, this morning I was pleasantly surprised. My wife got home much later than I did. I stopped by here. They were still working. I kept going, y'all need to wind her down. Finally, I wound it down and I went home. I'd been in Mexico all week. I go home. I go to bed. And uh, I wake up the next morning, and I go in there to make my coffee, and it's all ready for me. All I had to do was this. We all have things we're diligent in. I'm diligent in lunch. I mean, come on. You know what I'm talking about. And so what Peter's saying is you've got to be diligent with this thing about uh, doing your, your part. We gotta, it's our, God has done his part. He's given us the gift of faith, the gift of supernatural power. He's given us his righteousness. He's provided us a relationship with him as a gift. He's given of his word, uh, the promises of his word, his word that are going to empower us to live a godly life. But we've got to step it up and we've got to be diligent about doing our part. Another word is the word add. 
In other words, and you read through that, add to this, add to that, add to that. Don't stop adding. You keep going. Every day is something I want to add. I want to get better at this. I want to get stronger at this. I'm going to add this to my life. I'm going to add that to my life. I'm going to be more disciplined in this area. I'm going to be diligent to add this into my life. Here's another one. Mindful. Somebody say mindful. Look in chapter 3, verse 2. He says that you may be mindful of the words which were spoken before by the holy prophets and the commandments of us and the apostles of our Lord and Savior, knowing this first. And I'll stop right there. And in other passages of Scripture, he's saying, I want to remind you about some things. Uh, in fact, he knew in chapter 1 he was going to die soon. And so he said, I'm going to keep reminding you of some things. I don't want you to disengage with your thinking along this. You've got to be engaged mentally. You got to be engaged spiritually in every way. He said, you got to be mindful of the words. Don't let them slip out of your head. Don't forget the word of God. Don't let these false teachers and false prophets and, and evil influences of the world uh, 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 cloud your thinking when it comes to living a godly life. I'm telling you, it happens everywhere we turn. I see it, man. You've heard this thing. Well, everybody's doing it. You know what's happening? The, the, the righteousness of God is being watered down. It's okay. Hey, God understands. First John 1, 9. It's all right. Hey, this is the way it is. No, you keep yourself engaged. Don't think the way the world thinks. Don't forget what I said about that. Here's another one. Beware. Everybody say beware. Chapter 3, verse 17. You therefore, beloved, since you know this beforehand, beware lest you also fall from your own steadfastness, being led away with the error of the wicked. You better beware. You better watch your step, brother. Don't let the influence. There is wickedness in the world that that is that has been designed and and prepared to undermine the steadfastness of our faith. Beware. Jesus was a warner. He warned people all the. He would warn them about the last days, warn them about the Pharisees, warn them about this. We better listen to the warning of the Word of God and beware, be wary. Keep your head up, your eyes open, your ears peeled, and you and, and, and attuned to the things of God. Don't let the world undermine the foundation of God in our lives. That's a that's an important word. And then I love how I love the last one. It's the last verse. Grow. Well, I thought that, look what he says. Beware in verse 17, verse 18, but grow in the grace and knowledge. There's that relational knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. But grow. I'm going to grow. I ask this a lot. What's your spiritual growth plan? Well, I've got a, I got a plan, but we all have financial plans, dreams and plans. We may have educational plans. We may have retirement plans. We have this plan, that plan. Uh, some people are great planners, but when you ask, what's your spiritual growth plan? What, what are you doing? What is your, your involvement in this thing called spiritual growth and maturity? 
How many of you know some people just need to grow up? Some people just refuse. I mean, on any level, emotional. Have you ever had to tell somebody, just grow up, man? In other words, you can't just sit here and languish around in your trouble and trauma. Let me tell you something. Some of you may have trouble and trauma in your life. And I get it. I understand. You may have issues. You may have this and that going on in your life. But I'm telling you, the one way you will never get over it is staring at it. And languishing in it. And wallowing in it. And fretting in it. And cussing and about it. And beating up everybody else because of it. There comes a time in all of our life where we realize, you know what? Oh, pardon me. I didn't mean to. Grow up, man. I'm not laying in this mess anymore. I might do something drastic. I, I, I might get up and in the morning read my Bible for goodness sake. And bow my knees and worship the Father and thank Him for His deliverance and His, and, and the gifting of God in my life. Thank you, Jesus, for faith. Thank you for power to overcome this issue. Thank you, Lord, for the gift of righteousness. Hey, it's your righteousness. I can't be good. I can't be good. It's your goodness. Thank you for this relationship you've given me with you. Thank you for these words from God, these exceeding great precious promises that if I'll just appropriate them, I can escape the corruption that is in the world through lust. I'm going to grow in a, I'm growing up. I'm going to clap off. We have to do our part. Accessing God's ongoing supernatural power requires our ongoing supplemental participation. Whatever promise God gives, then we have to say, whatever directed, what, well, what do we do? What, what do you want me to do about that? How do I, how do I get involved? What do I need to do to participate in this process of living out a godly life in an ungodly world? Let me say it this way. It's a lot of words, but this last slide, this morning, as those who have, have obtained a like precious faith, that's us, and been given all things that pertain to life and godliness, we are responsible to embrace the giftings of God and provide our ongoing supplemental participation in the process and practice of living out a godly life. That's so true. I'm going to read it again. I don't know if you can see it. Oh, it's behind there. You can look back. You can't see all of it. I'll read it. This morning, as those who have obtained like precious faith and been given all things that pertain to life and godliness, we are responsible to embrace the giftings of God and provide our ongoing supplemental participation in the process and practice of living out a godly life. It's time 
to power up. He's given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. All these giftings, we've just got to do our part. Amen. Let's stand together. Thank you, Jesus. Father, we thank you today for the Word of God and for this short epistle, but yet so profoundly important for all of us in living out a godly life. We thank You that Your power has been given and continues to keep on giving even to the end of the age. That Your power was not only available to those first century disciples, but just as available to us today. And I pray for all of us here today, myself included, we would step up to the plate and say, what's my part in this process? I embrace the gift of God, but Lord, also embrace the responsibility I have to add to my faith virtue and to be diligent, to be careful, and to be wary, and to be engaged with the growth process of God in my life. Lord, I thank You for that. I worship You this morning. Glorify your name. I magnify you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. This morning I sensed a miracle going to work in somebody's life. The miraculous ministry of the Spirit of God. His power being made manifest in a particular area of someone's life. If that's you today and you sense it, just embrace it. Say, thank you, Jesus, for the miracle. Financial miracles. Healings of our emotions. Healing of the mind. Transformation of thought processes. Healing of our bodies. Thank you, Jesus. I want everyone in this room just to lift up a voice. It doesn't have to be loud, but just lift up your voices and thank you, Jesus, for the power of God. Thank you, Jesus. Come on. Thank you, Lord, for your power in my life, Lord. Thank you for the gift of God, the giftings of God in our life. You've given us everything we need to live a godly life. We receive it today. We appropriate them in our lives. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if you're here today, you can say, Pastor, I just don't know if I've ever really been born again. I don't know if I've ever really accepted Christ into my heart. And today, I want to just really know that I know that I know Him. We talked about that relational knowledge of Jesus. I don't think I have a relationship with Him. If that's you today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, just lift your hand and say, that's me, Pastor. I want to know Him. I want to get to know Him better. Amen. I see that hand. I see that hand. 
I see that hand. Father, you see these hands today. I pray that each one that lifted their hand today would settle into a real relationship with you today. I want everyone in this room to pray along. I had, I think there were two or three hands went up. I want everyone to pray this prayer out loud. It's, it's a prayer that puts you into right relationship with Jesus, that begins you on a journey of getting to know Him and becoming more like Him. I want everyone to pray this out loud, especially you that lifted your hand. There's no pressure here, but you lifted your hand, and I'm leading you to the place where you can be in your heart knowing that you belong to Jesus. Everyone in this room, pray this prayer. Say, Dear Lord Jesus, thank You for the price You paid for my life. You died for me on a cross. You were buried in a borrowed tomb. But You rose again so I could have a new life too. I thank You for that, Lord. I believe You did that for me. I put my trust in You. I commit my life to You. I invite You into my heart to be the Lord and the leader of my life and to cleanse me from every sin by Your blood. In Jesus' name. And I thank You today that You've given me faith to put my trust in You. And from this day forward, I confess you as my Lord and the leader of my life. In Jesus' name, everybody said, Amen. Let's give the Lord some praise this morning. Amen. <laughs> Hallelujah. Now, hey, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, maybe the second, third time, but if you're serious this time, you know, the Bible says something. If you confess me before men, I'll confess you before my Father in heaven. Here's the first thing I want you to do. If you're with family today, I want you to tell your family. You tell them, whether it's mom, dad, brother, sister, I confess Jesus Christ as the Lord and the leader of my life today. I've given my life to Him. You confess that to them. The next thing, according to Scripture, you need to do is be baptized. And we can take care of that. You know, right over there is a baptismal. Jesus instructed us to be baptized. If you've never been water baptized, you need to do that. How do you become water baptized? You just go out to the info booth and say, I need to be baptized. And we'll make it happen, okay? We'll put you on the calendar. And then, you know what? You can begin to tap into this message and start growing in Christ, reading the Bible, uh, uh, loving Jesus, getting to know Him better, uh, empowering up your life to live a godly life. Give somebody a fist bump and say, we're powering up. Come on, we're powering up. We're powering up. So if you prayed that prayer, confess that to someone. Uh, and you know what? Uh, just begin your process. You need to be baptized. Go sign up to be baptized. Plug into the local church. Get involved. If you're here today and you're searching for a church home, man, we want you to begin to really pray about being a part of Church on the Rock North and plugging in, getting involved, and powering up with us. We're hey, we you know somebody said dynamite comes in small packages. Hey, let me just throw this out. I'm not well, maybe I'm bragging a little bit. Hey, uh, I was sitting in Mexico with my with my friend uh, Tom. 
Schaefer, we had just finished our third well, and I told him this. I said, Tom, you tell me anybody else on planet Earth. You think of anybody. Let's Google it. Let's try to find out any other ministry on planet Earth this week that drilled three water wells with one crew, one drilling rig, and 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 brought fresh water and living water to, to three different areas in one week. You tell me anybody else on planet Earth. Hey, let me tell you something. Dynamite comes in small packages. I'm telling you, you don't have to be huge and big to do big things for God. Amen. And so, hey, this church right here, we're doing big things for God. Amen. I'm excited today. Can you tell? It's BBS today. Amen. So God bless you today. Bring your